and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin. I'm still not used to that shorter intro yet, but you know what? I like it a lot better. And for those of you that are repeat listeners of the show, it's probably better for you guys that you don't have that long, uh, drawn-out intro. Um, don't know if I ever talked about it on the show. I'm, I'm sure I must have at some point, but that was originally a piece of music I wrote for a play that I composed for and was in called Still Dance the Stars. Um, here in Vegas, we were one of the first productions to do it. I think the second one, as far as I know, I know there was a group in New York that did it. Um, it was a, a very, very touching play. I was very lucky to be a part of that. I did fight that hard because I didn't want to be in it. Uh, but you know what, when Marcus Weiss wants something and, uh, he gives you good reason to do it, you do it. So, um, anyway, I wrote this as part of the newscast theme for that. And there were several themes that I wrote that didn't work and then one that did. So all the other themes just became kind of extra tracks in my library. And I thought, you know, this is a pretty good theme for the podcast. And so I used it, but then, uh, I thought, you know, this is after a while, after so many years, I'm like, this is kind of ridiculous how long this is. There's really no need for it. So, uh, we're just going to make a shorter burst intro and then just do a fade. And that's that. So anyway, I hope you guys like it better. I know I do. Um, So today, though, we're here to talk about Twilight Road and their new album, Trapped. That album drops today on Cherry Red Records. The links are in the show notes where you can get it. This is a brand new band for me. I'm not familiar with them at all, although uh, the players might be familiar to some of you. Uh, Carl, and I, you know, you guys know how bad I suck with names. We're not even going to talk about it, except to say that there's always the chance of butchering when I'm pronouncing names, as I'm about to do. But take a sip of, of uh, burning tea first. Yeah, that's a good idea. So uh, in this band, we have Carl Sintans, who is the replacement for Dan McCafferty in Nazareth. Uh, when Dan unfortunately had to step down for health reasons. Uh, You know, Nazareth was one of those bands that uh, it's really weird. Uh, Another one where I absolutely love one of their albums, Hair of the Dog, staple in my collection. In fact, when I started uh, recollecting vinyl again, I that was one of the first albums I got because uh, that was a very important one to me. There are like a handful of albums that are so important. They're like, Once I have those, I'll feel like I'm in control of this collection. Like I've got the key albums, even though really every, everyone is important. Um, And I've made a list. There's, you know, like 180 some or so that I want between albums and 45s. I've got most of the 45s now, which is great. Uh, But anyway, so Hair of the Dog was one of the ones that that, uh, was, was a very key album for me. Uh, But then Nazareth, again, was one of those bands that like, I really love this one album and never really paid attention to anything else they did. Uh, a couple songs, hits that they had in the 80s that I really liked. Um, Holiday uh, was a big one, but they're a band I've never really dug into outside of that. And Roger Glover produced one of their albums too. So uh, they're a band that I should really dig into more. So anyway, Carl is the vocalist of Nazareth. This is another project he's working on. Uh, Dario Molo is the guitar player. Andy Senes on bass. Alessio Benedetto on drums. Eddie George and Dario Patti split the uh, work on keys and then on Hammond, just on tracks three and four. And I really hope I'm saying this right. Gianluca Sabi is uh, is taking those responsibilities. And the artwork is designed by All Things Rotten. Um, it's a really interesting 
concept. Now, the band is called Twilight Road. The album is called Trapped. And what we've got is sort of a foresty type scene um, all around us. We have a skeletal hand holding a phone that is uh, slightly cracked in a couple of spots. And there is a screaming face caught in the phone, almost as if you have the the camera on reverse so that you can look into the picture and take a, a selfie. Um, so it's, uh, you know, a skeletal hand, but the face has flesh. Um, oddly puffy flesh. I'm not sure exactly what we're looking at here because like around the nose area, there's like an object on what would be, I guess, over the right side of the face. So I'm, I'm not sure exactly what it's meant to represent, but it is a really cool picture. I especially love the lighting. It's kind of like, you know, during uh, sundown or maybe sun up and you've got that sort of golden light cutting through the forest. So it's a really, really nice piece of art, I have to say. Um, I'm a big fan of that. This uh, this album is, is something I've not heard yet. None of you guys probably have either, unless uh, the video uh, came out for Trapped already. There is one cover on this album, which is a surprising cover that I'm very excited to listen to and share with you guys. One that I know very, very well. Uh, but like I said, I haven't heard any of these 12 tracks um, I know that there is a video coming out. If it's out by the time that this releases, then I'll be able to put the link in the show notes. Um, otherwise, uh, it should just be on YouTube. I believe the first video is going to be for Trapped, which is the uh, not only the title of the album, it's also the first song. So let's just dig right in and see what this band is all about. Here we are with Twilight Road and the song Trapped. Well, I certainly think that the recording is fantastic. Let's start with that, um, because that's one of the more uh, important elements to me. It sometimes doesn't matter how good or bad the music is. If the mix is awful, uh, it's it's not really enjoyable to, to try and pull the good out. Uh, I have to say the mix is excellent. I could use just a touch more bass for my personal taste, uh, but being part of the rhythm section, that's probably not too surprising. Um, but the mix, the guitars, vocals, guitars are very heavy on this, but the vocals cut through. Um, everything is is audible. I can hear keys, I can hear drums, I can hear bass, uh, guitar, vocal, everything is there. Um, I love that it is not peak limited. Um, thank you, guys. Whoever engineered this and mastered this, thank you for not doing that horrible thing. Um, but I will say, I feel like the volume is very maximized. I don't think you could push it any further without it starting to, you know, maybe distort or crackle or buzz a little bit. But when I look at the waveform, 
it it does not look um, peak limited at all. It's just stretched to uh, where it should be. So excellent job on that, I have to say. So the song itself, um, I think this is a great opener. If this is going to be a, uh, you know, pretty hard rock or I guess, you know, heavy metal, what's the dividing line between the two? I don't even know anymore. Uh, but if it's going to be in that vein, I think it's got a great edge to it. Uh, this is definitely a track where I can say it it kind of gets you up out of your chair, which is what you want for an album opener, um, being that it's the title track and, and the video that's uh, getting released and all that. Obviously, that's, you know, the first single. And that's fine, too. But it's it's definitely you want your album to start off with a kick. And I think that they've absolutely done it here. The one thing uh, for me, you guys know, I'm very particular about the kind of guitar solos that I like. Um, from a tonal standpoint, uh, it's fantastic. I can I can hear every note played. Well, I guess if there was a note played I couldn't hear, I wouldn't know that, would I? But I can hear a lot of the notes uh, very, very clearly. No matter the speed of the playing, it's very well defined, and I like that. A um, couple of those screechy notes that started off, uh, I'm, you know, personally, that's not my style. Um, I've talked about that with guitarists like Ingve uh, and, and some other uh, shredders where I'm like, I, I just don't like those those frequencies that feel uh, a bit ear piercing to me. The same reason I don't like the flute. The rest of the solo I absolutely loved. Um, it's it's again it like borderlines right on that. It's almost too much for my taste, but it it stays right within that boundary, and I really like that. I especially like the end of the solo. There's a little bit of harmony in there. There's some really fast playing, but uh, but it's tasteful. It's it's within the song. And uh, to me, it's not about the speed. It's how far you go off the rails and in or out of context of the song. I don't necessarily like fast picking for the sake of fast picking. Um, that's something that I see some guitar players do or here, I guess I should say some guitar players do. And um, I'm not a fan of that, as, as I've said on the show before. Um, but fast playing is fine if you're staying within the context of the song and you're you're basically an extension of what the vocals would be doing if there were vocals. I mean, you're basically replacing the vocalist for that section of the song. So um, I like this solo. I think it's really good. I think the whole song is good. Um, I definitely love Carl's voice. I think it suits this music very, very well. It's a, a clean, modern sound for a metal. And, you know, I think back to some of the albums I've reviewed earlier, like uh, Ingve. And and Man of War, and I'm like, those had a really good cutting edge sound for those days, you know. Um, I think they're good now. I think they're still good today. But this is like fresh, modern recording studio, um, very clean, very peak. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm a fan of it. So I'll be. Uh, I'll, I, I'm more excited now to hear the rest of the album that since I have a sense of what it's about. Since I have a sense of the sound of the band, how heavy it's going to be, um, I will say from a rhythm guitar perspective, um, this is a pretty heavy album. So I'm curious to see, you know, how intense the drums are, um, how hard the bass plays throughout the rest of it. If it's going to be more, you know, straight, almost commercial metal. Um, I hate using word like commercial, but there's like there's metal that you could play on the radio and get away with. And there's metal that you definitely can't get on the radio. And I guess for me, that's the difference between what I would consider commercial and not. Not like we wrote this song to get on the radio, but it has a style that would allow for radio play. Um, other than maybe some like underground stations and, you know, maybe like a hardcore hour or something like that, some kind of special. So I definitely think that this would be radio playable. 
And um, I'll be curious to see how well the single does. I, I, I think it's a good song. I think people who like this kind of music will absolutely dig it. So now that I have, uh, you know, beat that horse to death, let's go to the second song. This is called Dirty Rock and Roll. First off, I hate the title. I've not been shy about saying this on the show before. I, I almost hate every song that has the word rock and roll in the title. And uh, it seems that part of the reason that I hate it is because I don't think it's creative, but it seems like almost every one of those songs has to repeat the chorus over and over and over again. I have to say rock and roll as many times as possible. Um, this does say it a few times, but I don't hate this song. I think it's pretty good. Uh, there's a lot of changes in the beat that keep it interesting. Um, this kind of music sometimes for me, depending on the band, tends to get a, a little bit stale. Um, it stays in a lane. Um, it, it just has maybe one or two changes. It's not very dramatic. They find like a cool riff and they make sure they play it as much as possible. Um, but this is really good. This has got a lot of beat changes to it, which I really like. Um, blistering guitar solo, I would say. Um, and I like the sound of the vocals on it. I, I'm not a big fan of the chorus, but that's just me. I did think also it had kind of a weird ending. It ends on an up note and I kind of want that to lead into something else. It feels like it could go somewhere and I want it to go wherever it might go, but that's how it ends. So, uh, it goes nowhere for me. Uh, and that's okay. You know, um, I, I find it interesting too, that as I'm listening to this, the vocals sound very similar to me in tone to like Jeff Tate from Operation Mindcrime, which is another favorite album of mine. And uh, I, I like it. I think the vocals are very strong. The guitar is very strong. Um, I like the drums better on this one. I think that they're more interesting and dynamic. They've got more to uh, to do. And that's, you know, when, when the song's a little bit more up-tempo and more aggressive in spots, that's pretty natural. The fills are going to get more intense. The you know, they're going to get bigger. They're going to start earlier. Maybe they're going to lead into something a little bit more, um, be a little more powerful, a little more dramatic, or depending on the drummer, maybe more melodic. Um, but yeah, I, I like what I'm hearing here. I don't know what kind of kit he's playing, um, but it sounds really, really good. So I would say, uh, you know, despite my, uh, my distaste for the title of the song, and what was that phrase I heard earlier today too, that someone said, and I, and I just had to roll my eyes because it just, it just bugs me when people say things like this. Don't don't do me dirty. I'm like, you know, I don't know. It, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm getting old, but I don't know. that I've always just thought that was a stupid phrase. Um, but in any case, Dirty Rock and Roll, still a good song. I would definitely listen to this one again. 
And that leads us to our third track on the album, Dark Angel. I really dig this song. Um, this is the first of two tracks featuring uh, Gianluca Sabi on Hammond. And um, hearing how good this sounds, I have to wonder why they uh, haven't used him more or uh, why he didn't appear on, uh, you know, the rest of the album. I don't know what the, you know, what the situation was behind it. Maybe he was only available to do a couple. Maybe they didn't really want organ on the album. But I have to say it complements very, very well. Um, his style fits in with this definitely feels like it has a deep purple influence, but not just because there's a Hammond organ on it. There's something about the feel of the song, too, that uh, feels like a harder edged purple. Um, but uh, in any case, yeah, this is a cool song. It's got some nice harmonies in there. Um, there's a weird spot, though, where the organ drops out when the guitar solo kicks in and then they do kind of a back and forth. Um, it, it feels a little awkward when the organ drops out, but there's some really cool spots in here, uh, for organ. I really like this one. Um, definitely one that I would say is easily worth listening to. Now I know why they have him on the next track. Um, that's going to be pretty obvious. Speaking of deep purple, they, uh, they have a cover in the number four slot of perfect strangers from the album, perfect strangers. So Perfect Strangers by Deep Purple. First, um, I should point out this is really more a cover of the live version. Um, the way that they come back into the song. Um, and he says uh, Ian's line from uh, what they do on stage from Jesus Christ Superstar. And the the arrangement is more the live arrangement than it is the uh, the studio version. So that's the first thing. The second thing is 
the way that they did the intro um, with the organ felt very disconnected that it stopped and then the song started versus going right into the song. It felt like a prelude instead of part of the song. Um, I don't think I've ever heard a cover of this song that I've actually liked. And uh, I'm sorry to say I, I didn't really care for this. Um, I think the vocals were a little too hard edged for me. This is a song that has feeling in it and I didn't really get that. Um, I don't mind when singers, you know, time it differently, kind of personalize it and make it their own. But this was really kind of a, you know, almost shouting it more than singing it. And uh, that for me personally didn't work. But keep in mind, you know, this is a song that I've known since it came out and is uh, very near and dear to me. So it's going to be hard to find something that makes me happy. They did really try to make it their own and, and went off and added a bunch of parts in the middle including a, a vocal section that uh, I didn't really understand. Uh, I really liked the effect on it, though, um, because they had like the vocals up front and then they put them way in the background, almost in a haunting kind of way, which works with the theme of the song. Uh, then it came back to the front again. Um, I like the effect of that. There was another spot uh, towards the end where I really liked the vocal effect. Um, I just, yeah, I just didn't really care for the arrangement and the performance of it. So um, I would say probably not a favorite for me. But that's just today. I could listen to it tomorrow and go, you know what? Yesterday I didn't like it. Today I love it. You never know. And that's the beauty of music, folks. That's just how it works. Uh, but when I do these reviews, even when I'm doing them on behalf of Cherry Red Records or any record company or any artist, I'm always honest. I like what I like and I don't like what I don't like. But music is very subjective. You guys could have heard that and said that is a thousand times better than the original. And you might have heard it and said, you know what? not my cup of tea. And that's fine. That's the beauty of art. Um, if everybody had to like the same thing, or if everybody just liked exactly the same thing, then um, Taylor Swift wouldn't be the only one who could survive on Spotify. So that being said, song number five is called Madonna. never hurts to have a blue song on the album. And I think the placement of this uh, is is great right after, uh, you know, the upbeat Perfect Strangers version. Um, I really like this one. I think it, it shows the uh, the real solid range that we have here on vocals. What uh, what can be done by Carl. Uh, he's not just a hard edge singer. He can really sing with some feeling. And I think that's what for me, part of what was missing on the Perfect Strangers track um, but I really like this. Um, I like the the organ. It wasn't very uh, overbearing or anything. It was subtle, but definitely had a presence. Um, great feeling on guitar. This is probably, for me, uh, the best song on the album so far. And so I would say, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of this one for sure. 
So that was Madonna. That moves us on to track six and puts us halfway through the album with Empty Mirror. I really dig this tune too. Um, it's a little bit slower of a tempo, so you can get a little bit more of the dynamics of the song. Um, but it's got that, uh, you know, the the keyboard strings that just make it sound big and huge and gothic almost. And uh, I, I think it's just got such a great feel to it. I really like this. I like the vocals on it. I like the guitar playing. Um, everything's really nice. The drums really stand out on this song too. The way that this song is designed, you can really hear the toms cutting through because there's not just that constant heavy guitar over everything. It's uh, it, it, it breathes a little bit more, I think, than some of the other songs. Um, but yeah, a, a great track for sure. Uh, definitely one that's more my speed. I mean, when I was younger, I listened to the more, you know, hey, the faster, the better, the, the more the drums pounded, the better. Um, that was part of my youth. But uh, as I've as I've gotten older, I've gotten away from that a little bit more. And this, you know, for hard edge music, this is probably more my wheelhouse personally. Um, but yeah, yeah, really good song. I dig it. So that brings us to track seven. And this one's called Mafia. first started, I really thought it was going to go in a different direction. Um, and something that really felt like it was coming from Metallica's album and Justice for All. I uh, can't think of which song it's reminding me of at the moment because I'm still hearing this song in my head, but it really felt like it was something off of that. Uh, but I'm glad it didn't. I'm glad it went in a different direction. Um, I really dig the riff. I really think that this was a very powerful song. Um, I felt a lot of angst in it, which was cool for this kind of music. Uh, you kind of want that, you know? Um, but no, I, I dug it. I thought the solo was good. Um, the playing was really good. Loved the drums. Um, still want just a little bit more bass in the mix. But, uh, you know, again, that's me. Um, 
as I said before, coming from the rhythm section, that's always going to be a, a thing for me, that bass and drums mix. But uh, yeah, good song, great vocal too. Uh, I really thought this, uh, this was probably one of the best ones on the album so far. And uh, that being said, we are now on to a song called Turn It Up. Not my favorite track. Um, it the opening riff really feels like a variation of "Since You've Been Gone" by Rainbow. Um, actually, I should say originally by Russ Ballard. I don't know what the original riff was because I've never heard another uh, recording before Rainbow did it. So I don't know what Richie might have done to the opening riff. But uh, yeah, very reminiscent of that. Maybe just a, a bit derivative of it. Um, I did like the cowbell. It was a nice uh, overdub cowbell track that, uh, you know, you don't hear cowbell that much anymore. And uh, it's kind of refreshing, uh, a little bit old school. Speaking of old school, I mean, there's, there's a huge, obvious Deep Purple reference. Not only do we have the track Perfect Strangers on here and this, which is uh, reminiscent of, of a Rainbow song, which, you know, of course, Richie was, uh, Rainbow was his band and he was in Deep Purple. But we've also got the uh, chorus, which goes Lay Down, Stay Down, which is the title of a, a song on Burn. I don't know how common of a phrase that is. I've never heard it outside of that song title. So um, unless it's like, you know, maybe a British phrase or something that I'm not familiar with. And obviously, again, very inspired by Purple. Um, yeah, other than that, it was, it was a fairly decent album track. I, I didn't think it was, there was anything too exciting. Um, I didn't really care for the end of it. Um, thought it could have ended on something a little bit more, um, musically dramatic, which, which might've worked a little bit better for my taste, but that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the song folks. That's just me feeling music the way I feel music and the way I'm reacting to it. This very first time I'm ever hearing these songs. So that brings us to another song. This one is called God is Red. I really like this one. Um, 
there's something really weird in the rhythm during the verse on guitar. It, it's like, it, it's not quite, there, there's not, it's not really playing the same note, like, did, 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 but it sounds like it's changing pitch, but they're not like even half steps. There's just something really weird about the way that's played. And I can't put my finger on it, which is kind of driving me nuts, but kind of exciting all at the same time. If any of you guys understand how that is coming about, because I'm not a guitar player, maybe there's something you know, the closer that you play to the fret, but then that changes the sound of the notes and the notes sound like they're being played very consistently. So uh, let me know what you guys think. I'd I'd be very curious um, how you think that's being done because that's not something I've heard before. Um, Drums are fantastic on this song. I would say this is a standout song for the drummer. We do get a little bit of synthesizer at the end. And, you know, honestly, other than the Hammond, I kind of forgot that there were keyboards on this album because they're blended in for the most part uh, from song to song. I'm assuming that there's keyboards because we've got two people splitting the keyboard duties outside of the two songs that had Hammond on them. So uh, a lot of times, though, bands will have keyboards but not use them as a feature instrument. They'll use them to thicken up the sound of the song, make it sound more epic. Um, we did have that one that had that sort of Mideastern string feel to it. Um, but I'm not hearing a lot of keyboards. So it was nice to hear a little bit of synth at the end of this one. Um, other than that, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of getting a little bit tired of the, the vocal where the, like the chorus vocals come in without the lead singer. And they're just kind of like side vocals that are replacing the vocals. Um, instead of singing it through and having the harmony used as a highlight, they're actually using them to replace the vocals. Um, which probably is why I think I'm getting that Operation Mind Crime feel because it was done that way on that album as well, if I recall right. But um, I mean, it's one thing to use it here and there, but I'm hearing a lot of it on this album and they're really predominant too, like as, as upfront as the vocals are. So um, I don't really care for that style personally. Like I said, you know, you do it on a song or you do it here and there and it's fine, but there's a lot of that on this album. So to, at this point, I mean, granted, we're, you know, what, nine songs into a 12 song album. But it's kind of stale. Like if I were to get to the end of the album and the last song has this, I probably wouldn't want to turn around and start song one again. And to me, that's always a sign of a great album. As soon as it's over, do I want to hear it again? Um, And sometimes, you know, like I said, it's not always that uh, that will be the case the first time you hear something. Um, I could listen to this album again in an hour or in a week and feel completely different about it. These are just initial reactions. So keep that in mind. Um, don't let anything I say discourage you. If it inspires you, great. Always take that. That's, uh, that's always a good thing. I would say if you like the sound clips that you're hearing, and this is what I say on all the review shows, if you like the sound clips that you're hearing, check the album out. It's probably worth listening to for you. Uh, if the sound clips aren't your thing, probably not an album for you anyway. Um, but you never know. If it's not today, maybe wait a year, give it a chance again. Who knows? You might find it uh, enjoyable if you don't today. That's the beautiful thing about being a human being is that taste change over time, influences change, um, foods that I hated as a kid. I Well, I still hate them as an adult. But okay, so bad example. But with music, you never know. Taste change. So that brings us to our 10th song on the album. This is called ooh, Warning.
this is a pretty good one. Um, I really like the guitar solo on this one. It's um, it's a bit restrained and definitely well within the context of the song, but I thought it was cool. Love the ending. Um, there's there's two stops in here. One was okay. The other one was kind of um, really like bizarre and awkward, but maybe that was the point. Um, other than that, you know, the, the same kind of thing with the backups. Again, a lot of it in this song. Um, overall, though, I would say it's a pretty good song. I would definitely listen to it again. It had a lot of energy in it. Um, I really like the riff. Um, I think musically it's very energetic. I really like the singer's voice. So that's the thing. Like I, I don't like, uh, the excessive backups on their own. And again, being as loud as the vocals are, but, um, but I like his voice. I think he's got a very, very good voice for this kind of music. Another band I, I might compare them to would be, uh, Manowar. You know, um, not exactly the same. The, the one album that I'm really familiar with, Fighting the World, I reviewed a while back on this show, but it feels like that kind of same vein of music. Um, yeah, I, I really like these guys. Um, not everything's been a hit for me so far. We've got two songs to go, so we'll see where those land for me. But overall, yeah, really good stuff. Um, our second to the last song, track 11, is called Shooter Paradise. This is my favorite track on the album so far. Uh, it's got great energy, a really good drive, um, great riff, killer solo, great vocal. Um, yeah, I, I, it, all the great things I, I could say are about this song. Um, really enjoyed this one. And, um, you know, this will probably be the first thing that I re-listen to as soon as I re-listen to this album, because this is a, a killer track. Absolutely killer track. Great job, guys. Our last song is called Behind the Mask. Yeah, it's kind of an intriguing title. I like that. I was really digging this song too. I thought what a great track to end the album on. 
This is definitely going to make me want to, um, you know, just start it over. Not even care about the things I didn't like about it. Just start it right over. And then they started doing the fade and I knew it was a long fade. And I'm like, perfect. What a brilliant decision. I love this. And then it went into this really weird sort of Spanish guitar thing that I I can't quite say I identified with. Um, I didn't didn't really relate it to any reason it should have been there or why it was part of the song. If the song had started out with that, um, you know, and then gone into the heavier version, I could have seen that working. But to just at the end of this heavy song, you've got the fade out, you're ending your album, and then you choose to go into a Spanish guitar style thing. Um, it, I don't know. I just didn't understand what they were going for there. And it did not work for me at all. So that kind of killed it for me. Like I I was ready to just say, okay, as soon as I get done with the podcast, I'm just going to listen to the album again. And now I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go make dinner first. Um, yeah, really weird choice. But apart from that, the rest of the song was was amazing. Absolutely kick-ass. Loved it. Man, the last two songs of, of this album especially really won me over. Um, I like the album overall. Like I said, you know, there's a couple of things I didn't like about it. A couple of stylistic choices, a um, couple of things in the songs. But overall, it was a really good album. Um, solos for me, you know, I'm so picky about my guitarist, but solos for me were, you know, a couple of them were pushing that envelope a little bit, but pretty much stayed on the side of, uh, you know, my enjoyment cap. So I, I would say really good job there. Um, yeah, good stuff overall. I would say, if, uh, like I said earlier, if this is your style of music and you like this sound clips that I've played, go check the album out. I've got the link in the show notes to uh, where you can get it. And go for it. Absolutely go for it. Um, yeah, I, I, I could see people in this style uh, really digging this. The, the um, Yeah, I'm still kind of freaking out over that Spanish guitar thing. I just, I, I just don't understand it. But yeah, great album. So uh, thank you guys for putting this out there for us. Um, I love when, when artists do projects outside of their main band because it keeps them fresh. It keeps them growing uh, a lot faster as artists. Because if you're just working with the same four or five, six guys all the time, you're only going to grow so much together. Um, you've got to do things outside of that. You've got to work with other people. You've got to do solo projects, whatever it is. You've got to find other ways to grow on your own and then bring that back to the band. And then the band benefits from that, too, because they now, as they were growing with you, well, now you've got even more you're bringing to the table. So they're going to gain the benefit of that as well. And then eventually, so will the audience. So I, I'm a big fan of, of doing extraneous projects outside of your main band. I think he's got a good voice for Nazareth. I'm going to have to I haven't heard him with Nazareth yet, so I'm going to have to check out some of their stuff. Um, was a big fan of Dan McCafferty, even though I said um, I really only got into Hair of the Dog. Um, definitely a, uh, you know, a fantastic album, but I really need to get more into Nazareth and give them a much bigger chance because, you know, um, I just haven't. And then I've, uh, I'm not familiar at all with uh, Dario Molo, but he has played with uh, some pretty cool people. Uh, Tony Martin from Black Sabbath. Uh, my friend Graham Bonnet from Rainbow MSG and now the Graham Bonnet Band, uh, as well as Alcatraz. Uh, Don Airy, who played with Rainbow, who's playing with Deep Purple. He's played with Ozzy, Michael Shanker, Whitesnake. I mean, he's, man, he has guested on a huge amount of major albums. And um, I, I am honored to say I had the distinction of playing in a band that he guested on a song with. It was uh, an album before I had joined the band. Um, unfortunately, I haven't had the chance to play on a song with him yet. Who knows what will be uh, down the road? But uh, yeah, pretty cool. So um, 
some really talented musicians. I, I don't have uh, really much on, on the rest of the guys, but I would say the drummer's really good, really solid. Um, I love the sound of his kit, very powerful. Um, he's kind of, uh, I, I, I don't want to say that he's restrained because his style is whatever his style is. And sometimes when you're, you know, if, if he's got a main band, if you're outside of that main band, Sometimes you want to push the envelope. Sometimes you just want to be the drummer and not have to think or, or do anything else. Um, or whether it's, you know, keyboardist or bassist or whatever. Um, sometimes you just want to play the role and because you have a lot more responsibility in your own band. So I don't know, but I, I have to say the playing was incredibly tasteful. Um, I think it could have been pushed a little bit more in spots, but that's not necessarily the style they were going for either. Just because I'm saying that that was a possibility doesn't mean that's what they wanted. Obviously, you know, had they wanted more fills or more aggressive beats or something, um, you know, they would have uh, would have sat down and talked about it. But I think the drumming is great on this album. Um, but for the style, I, I could see there being more. I'll, ju I'll just put it that way. I could just see there being some more, uh, maybe some different patterns and things. Uh, but straightforward stuff, very solid, um, incredible metronome, great sounding kit, a very well engineered album. I have to say, I love the overall production of it. Everything from, from, you know, song to song is, uh, is crystal clear. I can hear the bass. I know I said, I want more. I do want more of it. That's just because I always want a little more bass, but there's nothing wrong with the mix. The bass is there. You can hear it. Um, same as the keyboards. Cause like I said, I don't really think they're meant to stand out except for where they do. I think they're really meant to just thicken the sound, enhance the guitar, give it a bed to um, say, you don't have to cover this. We got it. You can play your solo on top of it. Um, that sort of thing. So um, yeah, great album though. So thank you guys for putting it out. Thank you, Cherry Red Records for sending this my way to check out and review on the show. And uh, we'll see you guys Wednesday for another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. Grab those links in the show notes, people. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>